Welcome to the Satellite and New Space Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Satellite and New Space team at NUCO, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Satellite and New Space Matters podcasts. Your host today are myself, Andrew Ball. I'm a senior consultant here in NUCO Satellite and New Space team. And alongside me today, I've got Annie Savage, who is also a consultant within our space group. And today, we're delighted to be joined by Stuart Gill. Oh, yeah, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Well, great to have you here, Stuart. So Stuart is currently a product manager for Lean Space, who are a platform as a service provider that allows space organizations to develop bespoke software systems that are fully integrated, ready to scale and fast. Lean Space's solution is a first of its kind, enabling space organizations to be more competitive by increasing their agility and lowering their costs. Stuart is one of the new wave of space professionals who are helping to deliver fantastic innovations in the new space industry. Having started his career as a research and development engineer for TALIS, he very soon became a satellite platform specialist with TALIS Alenia Space. And now Stuart leads the creation and delivery of new and innovative products for Lean Space. Again, welcome to the show, Stuart. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for the invitation. I'm very excited to, to get started <laughs> on the topic. Perfect. Well, look, let's uh, let's not beat around the bush too much. To get us started, we always like to ask people kind of roughly the same question, always centered around a theme. But how did you first find yourself in the new space industry? Uh, new space. Uh, <laughs> I started off with, let's say, more traditional space. So uh, when I left university, I always wanted to do something in the space industry. Um, I studied in Glasgow University, so obviously Glasgow is quite a big, quite a big city for the space industry. Uh, I think it produces the most satellites outside of California. Um, wow. For, yes, I, I mean, I did my dissertation for my master's on something uh, related to nanosatellites. Um, but yeah, I think I kind of stumbled into, stumbled into the space world. I always had an interest, but I wasn't like ultra fascinated by by space. I think a lot of people who work in the space industry seem to give me that vibe, which is that they always <laughs> wanted to do this. They've always been ultra passionate. But for me, it was something which, uh, yeah, I feel I feel lucky that I've stumbled into because the industry is amazing. Um, but it wasn't something I had focused uh, in the front of my mind since uh, since childhood. So yeah, I think uh, being in Glasgow kind of gave me a bit of a an impulse in that direction. Um, did my dissertation uh, again on something related to, to nanosatellites. Started working for Talis, Talis Group actually, um, who did research and development for various topics. So I actually started with algorithms for for trains, um, and then transitioned to Talis Linear Space, where I started working on research for various various different topics. So for example, uh, there were some next generation solar array studies, um, some some topics on small satellites. But yeah, I kind of just uh, moved around a little bit inside the organization. And, and eventually I started to hear about this new wave of uh, companies called New Space, uh, which had kind of a different commercial philosophy. So I think New Space already is quite difficult for some people to define. Um, I've been to conferences and, and panels where the topic is New Space, and I think they can't agree amongst themselves <laughs> about what it means. Um, for me, it's all about the commercialization space. So it means yeah. that there's a business plan mm -hmm. behind it. It means that there's a, a bit more of a focus on uh, creating sustainable business businesses. Um, and then I started getting interested in this. And I started to look around for for you know new technologies and new new opportunities. And that's how I found Lean Space. So that's kind of been my journey towards the the new space uh, industry. Fantastic. I think you've probably been one of the first uh, first guests that we've had on um, who hasn't spoken about 
being, you know, five years old, staring outside, you know, getting a telescope and, and yeah. looking at the moon. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, the, the benefit of the new space industry is, uh, you know, that it, it it is that kind of commercialization of space and commercial industries need people from all walks of life. And it's, it's great that people like yourself have been uh, sort of pulled into the industry. Um, yeah, I, mean, so, I, I think, I think it's important to mention as well, because a lot of people um, have good potential. They could work in the space industry, but I think that they're maybe put off by the, the kind of stereotype of the profile. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's nice to mention as well that even if I wasn't ultra focused on it, there was still a path into the industry for me. And, and I seem to be, to be doing just fine here. So. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Mm-hmm. So Stuart, uh, next kind of round of questions, we're going to stay in the past and I'm going to pass over to Annie for, uh, to, to ask you those. So Annie, over to you. Yeah. So I guess we were just wondering if there's been anyone in particular that has sort of been a big influence on your, on your career today. Um, yes, uh, definitely. So I think my boss, Alex Martinez, uh, so it was my old, uh, my old boss from California space. Um, he had a, a really good mindset. So for me, it was quite interesting. It was someone who was quite young, came into a position mm. of quite, quite high responsibility and really supported me. Um, seeing this kind of dynamic profile in that industry and trying to shake things up, uh, that was, that was quite, insightful for me so yeah i think uh, alex is alex is beginning to and has there been a, a milestone that you see to be a, a very sort of proud moment um i think there's been a couple uh, mm. i think the first one would have been that i moved to california space which is a french-speaking uh, company without speaking french so this was the wow <laughs> the first uh, milestone which when I managed to overcome that I was I was quite happy. Um, I think the second one would have been uh, getting to take more of a leading role in in the bid stage for Talisman Space as well. Um, so I used to work as the as Andrew said a satellite uh, platform specialist and getting to take on must-win projects which were which are pretty big uh, you know multi hundreds of millions of euros um mm. getting to be responsible for a quite significant part, portion of the satellite um was a great experience so yeah i'd say that that's a milestone and more recently obviously joining lean space and, and having a bit of time here to to shake things up and win some grants and win some projects and clients is, is also uh, yeah lot, lots of little milestones are arriving quite quickly here no, absolutely. Lots of milestones there and, and moving to a French speaking company without speaking the language. That's uh, def- definitely a milestone. Yeah. Um, great. I did, no, I did yeah. wonder whether you were going to talk about this uh, successfully putting off the hackathon at, uh, at Space Tech Bremen, because that, that looked like it was a pretty successful milestone. That was. That was <laughs> that's a great milestone, actually. Yeah, no, we had a, we had a really good feedback on this. So Basically, um, the CEO of Lean Space, he, he, it was actually our launch event. So it was the first time that Lean Space, uh, came out of stealth mode and our CEO, uh, came up with this idea of a hackathon. So we had to put it together quite quickly, but it, uh, like hats off to him. It was a great idea. Uh, we managed to pull it off in time and we actually uh, ended up hiring some of the guys from the hackathon. So I think it was good for, for everyone involved. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, another notable mem- milestone. Definitely. And it looked great publicity for, for Lean Space, especially when you guys were, were taking that kind of mass photo um, in, in front of the convention center. I think pretty much everyone in the convention was like, what, 
what are they doing over there? So uh, yeah, yeah. We, we had we had them with orange masks as well because because our, our company colours are orange. So I think it was uh, like 40, 40 students running around with orange masks, which stood out as well. <laughs> Great marketing for you guys. Uh, well, brilliant. No, it's been really great to to hear some of the aspects of, of your career so far that sort of mark those milestones. Um, now it'd be great to to jump into the present day and, and what the future might hold. Pass on to Bully for these questions. Brilliant. Thanks, Annie. So um, a question we often like to ask kind of as we're looking at, at the present, and you know, I think it's really important when we're talking about new space, because of course the clue is is in the name, it is relatively new. Um, but kind of really keen to a bit of an understanding on, on your views of the current state of, of the new space industry. Obviously, it's been massively growing over the last couple of years, but a lot of people seem to think that we're perhaps due some some consolidation, some kind of merging of the new space industry with incumbent space and, and other industries. You know, what do you think the, the kind of the state of the market is looking like right now? That's a good question. Uh, I think everyone out there would pay to have a crystal ball which predicts this. <laughs> um, I would agree that there's probably going to be some mergers and some consolidation. Um, there's a lot of actors who have arrived uh, on the market in recent years, and it will be interesting to see if there's space for everyone. Um, SmallSat was a very interesting example. So I've read already about a lot of, um, let's say, mature micro-launcher companies who are turning to a verticalized business model. So, so supplying not just the launcher, but also the satellites. Um, yeah, it will be very interesting to see where the market goes from here. I, I still think there's going to be tremendous growth. Uh, I think everyone agrees with the projections uh, that it's going to be a, a growing industry for some years to come. Um, but I think in the next couple of years, it'll be very interesting to see how specifically traditional space companies pivot and adapt. I think that they're already starting to feel some pressure. Um, and I think that new space companies will start to see, especially with the economic conditions we have today, maybe a bit more trouble raising funds. Um, so yeah, the, the, it, it's it's always dynamic in space. Uh, let's see, <laughs> let's see what happens. It really is. It really is. And then kind of interesting um, that you kind of mentioned some of the, the kind of the financing matters there. We've seen obviously, you know, SPACs being kind of a huge business in, in the industry and then very, very quickly kind of dropping off um and companies who are going to go through a SPAC acquisition now looking to go sort of um you know public in you know properly rather than, than via these special acquisition companies mm -hmm. so really interesting to see kind of what further developments we, we get there and I'm going to put you on the spot right now as a sort of side question to, to that when we look at consolidation in the industry and we look about the areas that you know maybe there isn't enough space excuse a terrible pun for, for everyone to survive. Um, but I mean, is there sort of one particular area of the market that you think, you know, was perhaps a bottleneck and now is potentially oversubscribed that we'll see consolidation coming soon? Um, I would say the launcher market, if I was being entirely honest, I think that there's been a lot of investment in the launcher market. Um, and I also would like to see personally more projects which the launcher market can can depend on coming through the pipeline. So even if all these launcher companies make it, they still need companies who are investing in creating constellations or uh, any, any any kind of satellite project. Um, so for me, this one is something to watch. I obviously hope everyone succeeds, but I would say that right now there seems to be an unequal 
investment in micro launchers and, and other types of launcher versus the projects which are coming through and which those companies will rely on as well. Of course, like we talk about new space being effectively commercial space. Um, for those companies to be commercial, they can't rely on one or two projects per year. They have to have a sustainable uh, mm. and kind of vibrant ecosystem. And so I think that they need to have more investment in in satellite projects or, or any other kind of space project really sustain them. Uh, yeah, look, t- totally agree. And I, I think um, when we've posed that question before, I think the launch market has been the one that, that kind of most people bring up. Um, and as we now sort of look, I suppose, a little bit more towards the future, um, Obviously, we've seen a huge amount of technological development in, in the industry, kind of more so in the last 10 years than perhaps we've seen in, in the last 30 years. Um, but are there any sort of technologies or, or kind of innovations currently in development that you think are going to have the most impact in, in the industry in the near future? Uh, I, I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I did I wonder think... what the answer could possibly be to this question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I could I could give like a, a standard answer and say, you know, like uh, SpaceX's Starship will be really amazing. Access to space will become lower. Obviously, that's going to be a huge driver. Um, but but I really think the infrastructure, um, the, the digitalization of space, which I, I think we're going to touch on shortly, uh, this is going to have a huge impact because it basically drives growth. Uh, all, all the all the systems which we have in the space industry, and there, there's many of them, they're always siloed. They're very slow to, to adapt. Um, uh, the, the changing um, the changing ecosystem of these tools will, will be a big driver for growth, um, whether it's digital factories, whether it's um, smarter software for operating your missions, uh, whether it's cloud technologies, all of this will have a big impact on, on how the industry grows. So that's, that's one thing I'm looking at over the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, a f- fantastic segue there into uh, into our next section, and and that's to get into the the, the topic that matters. Um, you've kind of touched on it there um, around digital transformation, and I know that Annie's got uh, got a question for you around that. So, so Annie, over to you. So, yeah, sort of more generally, um, obviously, a lot of industries have have started to to move towards digital transformation. Um, but some slower than others. And, and why do you think that is that, that the space industry has been sort of slower in, in embracing cloud technology and, and digital transformation than others? Yeah, so I, I would definitely agree. I think that the space industry has been slower. Um, first, I think we can, we can separate, um, or let's say we can break the word, the word digital transformation up uh, because they mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, it's tend to become a bit of a buzzword and it's applicable to every industry, not just space. So obviously this confuses people with exactly what it means. Doesn't mean cloud technology, doesn't mean smart tools, doesn't mean everything's, you know, uh, connected. So for me, digital technology, uh, digital transformation is not just using new tools. It's also a mindset mm. change. So it's really important. I think that people understand that, for example, you can adapt uh, new technologies into your, into your uh, factory, but it won't make it a digital transformation. What you really need is to change the way you do things. So it's not, it's not doing the same thing with new mm. technologies. It's changing the way you do things and fundamentally uh, driving efficiency through that. So I think digital transformation in the space industry has been really slow. Uh, I think there's a number of reasons for this. Uh, you could talk about regulation. We're, we're a very heavily regulated industry. So launchers, for example, how do they use the cloud? 
there's a million ways that you have to constrain data and, and a million different ways for each country. So if I speak to an Australian launch company, uh, it's not the same set of regulations that govern uh, the, 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 that restrict their data um, as mm. it is for an American company. So I think that's one big blocker. Uh, people don't really understand how to apply it. And it's very hard to make a tool which crosses these kind of boundaries. Um, a second aspect is also the mindset of the people that are using the tools. So for example, I've worked in big companies. I see that this is kind of a barrier. Um, people don't necessarily want to change, even if you give them the best tool on earth. They, they know how to do their job. They know how to do the job with the tool they already have. And investing the time and effort into doing that uh, change is not always something which uh, resonates with everyone. So I think that's a big point. Um, it will take a long time for, for companies to adapt to that. And I think the reason space has been a little bit behind is because of our mindset. We are quite a specialized industry. So people tend to know exactly what they have to do and they know exactly how to do it. And they don't want to revolutionize that process. And it means you really have to get them on board if you want to in introduce new technology. So I'd say that's one, one big blocker. Um, speaking specifically about cloud technologies, uh, I think this has been quite tricky for a number of reasons. So as I said before, people don't know how to introduce these technologies because the, the legislation is not there. So mm -hmm. I know this is a big problem. We, we actually have a project ongoing right now to look at this in lean space of how do you apply cloud technology to launchers, for example. Um, I think the cloud offers many benefits. Uh, for example, it's much easier to scale your technologies. It's much more flexible. You're much more agile as a company. Uh, the question is, how many companies know how to use those technologies in a way that enables those benefits? So I could give them the best cloud technology ever. And if they don't know how to construct an app in a way that's scalable, mm -hmm. it kind of falls on its head. Uh, and this is, again, something that Lean Space is trying to tackle quite specifically. So we offer, we have a cloud platform and we offer services that let clients build applications. It could be for a mission control center, it could be a mission planning system, flight dynamics, uh, some kind of test bench interface. It depends on what they want to do with it. But our services are agnostic to each use case. And they're basically, let's say it's like Amazon Web Services with a heavy mm -hmm. layer of space-specific uh, knowledge on top. And I think this is addressing one of those points. Like you say, people are slow in the uptake. They don't know how to use the cloud technologies. And this kind of uh, solution will help them a lot because suddenly they don't have to worry about Okay, I have my, my Amazon Web Services. How do I get all the way to my end use case? How do I apply all that space knowledge? They already have a lot of the space knowledge out the box and they can just configure it and customize it the way they want. So I, I think, uh, I think clean space will help address some of these issues. Um, but yeah, we still have a long way to go uh, as an industry. Totally. No, I mean, it sounds like you, you guys have some really, really interesting things happening and all very new and relevant as well um thanks for for going through that um so now i'm gonna pass on to to Bali to talk about another core topic and and that's diversity thanks very much annie so look uh, diversity and inclusion you know as as recruiters um is a uh, is a topic that's very close to our chest and and i think a little bit more so as you know let's be honest um our industry is one that has often been seen um, as an industry that perhaps has has not taken as strong an approach on on diversity and inclusion as and, and representation as, as maybe we could 
have done. Um, but as you know, as, I suppose as a as a younger executive in the industry and someone who's sort of come in almost straight into the new space world, um, what, what is your kind of view currently on diversity, inclusion, representation specifically within that kind of new space market? Uh, it's it's critical. It's totally critical. Um, in lean space, we're we're really lucky because we have a very diverse team, and this is something which has actually been uh, driven from the very beginning. So I think we're we're around 30, 35 people now, and we have maybe fifteen nationalities, 12, wow. 12 to fifteen nationalities. Um, so yeah, it's it's very very important for us that we have this global mindset. Uh, and again, space is a global industry, so it makes complete sense. Uh, there's no reason to have you know French people in a French company and Spanish people in a Spanish company. They they have to share competencies among themselves and share share the mindset of a global space industry. Um, if we talk about diversity in terms of uh, ethnicity and gender, I think that's also critical. So one thing, actually, when I was at the small stat conference, just to touch on this point with maybe quite a, a, a concrete example, um, we went to went to one of the after parties at small stat. And I saw that there was a big queue for the men's toilet and no queue for the women's toilet. Mm. And I think this is the first thing, the first time I've ever seen that. And it really stood out to me. And I just thought this is this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, not mm. not because I need the bathroom, but also because uh, <laughs> we need we need more diversity. Uh, we we're we're really lucky. We have um, a fairly good ratio of men to women in the space, and I think it makes a big difference. I, I love working with everyone, um, but I definitely think that helps. Look, great mm. answer, and it's it's really good to know that it's something that you know seems to be embedded in into the kind of the core values of, of lean space and making sure that it's it's there from from the very beginning. And I suppose as as sort of a little bit of a, a follow up question to that, do you think there are any kind of particular approaches that that we as an industry can take, should take, um, you know, to guarantee that you know as a market and as an industry we are as as diverse and inclusive, and I suppose more importantly as representative of you know the human race as, as possible specific strategies i think would be quite tricky i think there will be a lot of trial and error right now to try and get something that works um the issue i see is that for example in my previous company there was a, a quota which was a certain number of people in certain positions yeah. um this is maybe a bit polarizing for some, uh, whether it's efficient or not, I have no idea. I have honestly, I've never seen the, the results of this, so I couldn't comment. It seems like one way of fixing, fixing the issue. Uh, I think, again, it will always come back to STEM education. So I used to be a STEM ambassador when I was at Talis. I used to go around the schools and speak to children. I think this is the most surefire way to, to address things, but obviously it takes a little bit of time to see the results of that. So it's not something, it's not a silver bullet that will fix everything overnight. So yeah, I think that there's many strategies that people are trying. I'm, I'm pretty thankful they're still trying them, honestly. Uh, from our side, we try and try and actively search, you know, if there's a women's engineering affairs, for example, this is one place we can go to look for talent. But it's it's tricky, uh, honestly, because we see that there's just not the, the volume of candidates out there. So this is something obviously everyone wants to encourage, but is is yeah, it's, it's challenging. Absolutely, look, it's a it's a tough nut to crack, and and as you say, I, I don't think there is a as is a silver bullet. It's just important that you know that this is a dialogue that 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 you know we can have in in the industry, and I think you're right there that you know it's it, it's about getting 
getting into schools as young as, as as we possibly can, you know, helping people understand that no matter who you are, you know, the, the space industry is going to be around forever and the benefits that that's going to bring on the human race is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that everyone can be involved and, you know, you don't have to be an engineer to work in the space industry. And of course it helps, but you don't have to be. And kind of helping people understand that actually we, we need everyone involved and especially as we get into you know finally creating an in-space economy i think that's going to be be even yeah. more important but maybe actually maybe i can ask the question to annie like uh, have you noticed any strategies that have resonated so obviously you're in a recruitment firm um have you seen anything that resonates with with women in the engineering fields that, that makes them want to engage in the industry i think obviously um working in recruitment um, I I know I speak to a lot more men than I do women on on a daily basis, um, but in in terms of strategy, it's just keeping keeping sort of open eyes to to women that you do see and and having those conversations. And I think a lot of it comes down to sort of social constructions and and imposter syndrome as well within women that that they don't sort of push themselves to get those new positions as much um so i think when we do get to have those conversations with women it's encouraging them to to go forward for for those positions um and i think in terms of strategy making sure we reach out to as much women as possible um but obviously there's there's a lot that needs to be done in, in every every area of the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, I think this is probably a topic of conversation we could we could go on for for hours and maybe we need mm. a, whole, a whole new podcast just for this but let let's kind of bring it back uh bring it back to you and now's the 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 start of the i suppose the part of the podcast that i enjoy most um kind of stripping away the the professional layer and learning a little bit more about you um so over to annie for for the next question yeah, so I'm, I'm sure all of the listeners um, would love to learn a bit more about you. And I think a good way to ask this is, how would you describe your perfect weekend? <laughs> um, I love doing adventure stuff. So anything with a bit of adrenaline, I think that would be a pretty good weekend for me. I do a lot of rock climbing. Uh, if it's if it's uh, some kind of dream scenario where I get to do whatever I want, probably just a weekend doing this, like bungee jumping or canyoning or rock climbing. So yeah, something something related to that. Luckily, I still have quite a lot of energy in the weekends for now, so I can imagine uh, <laughs> it's not completely off the cards. Like I could still do this realistically. <laughs> Utilize that energy while you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant! And is there somewhere near you that you can go to bungee jump? Um, I this is a good question. I haven't checked uh, in Alsace. There's quite a lot of stuff to do here. We're not we're not far from um, the Black Forest and Les Vosges, and then further south we have Switzerland. So between the three, I have a lot of mountain activities. Uh, oh, I think I'm, I'm sure I can find somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot braver than me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, yeah, thank you for that, Stuart. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will agree that that is definitely a fine weekend. Maybe not so much myself, but <laughs> or, me, or me. Let's be honest. I like to keep my I like to keep my feet on terra firma as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but brilliant. No, I and I'd like to pass on to Bully for the quick fire round. 
Brilliant. Thanks, Annie. So, uh, Stuart, my personal favourite part of, of the podcast, quick fire round, exactly as it sounds. I'm going to throw some questions at you. No clues. You're going to need to think of your feet. Uh, think <laughs> on your feet, sorry. So f- first answer that, that comes into your mind, throw it at us. So we'll, we'll get started. The first one, plane travel or train travel? Oh, plane travel. Okay, quick answer. I love it. Mount, I think I think I know the answer to this one, given given your uh, given what we've just spoken about. But mountain retreat or beach getaway? Oh, that's actually surprisingly tough. I would say mountain okay. retreat. I, I thought that was probably going to be the side of the fence it landed on. Okay, so tea or coffee? Surprisingly, for a British person, coffee. Uh, you're a you're a man after my own heart. There, I, I don't I, I don't get the whole thing around tea, oh, even as a British person. But, uh, <laughs> perfect. So, uh, next one: iPhone or Android? I'm Android. Yeah, okay. I get a lot of stick from that... my family for this one. So this is going to be controversial <laughs> later. But so, I it's often you know, it's a very polarizing question, but it's only polarizing to people who have an Android phone. I've just, that's, I've just that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, moving swiftly on, um, go to karaoke song. Oof. I have no idea. I guess I'd have to go with uh, Proclaimers 500 Miles because it's a bit oh, of a classic. It's a classic. It is yeah. a classic. <laughs> I, I have to say, and I think I say this every time, I'm still waiting for the person to say my way. Because oh. that, that is the song that you will guarantee <laughs> to hear at least two or three times on a night out. But no one admits that it's their go-to song. So I'm, true, it's going to have true. to come sometime. No, I think uh, that's that's a pretty good choice as well. I, I was just mentioning this because uh, actually at small stat there was someone who was doing a karaoke band and they were, okay. they were singing 500 Miles. And I was thinking, this is great. You know, it's a Scottish song, but even in America, <laughs> it, it translates. So, yeah. Perfect. Um, so next one, stream at home or night out at the cinema? I'd have to say night out at the cinema. I, I love the cinema. It's not not so many good films out these days, but uh, you can't you can't beat it. Perfect. Um, so kind of following on from that, your desert island movie choice. If you could only watch one film for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oof. I'm a big uh, cinephile, so I don't know if I could choose just one. Uh, let's say Schindler's List, because I feel like you got a lot of emotion okay. there. So you could you could watch it again and again. Hey, good answer. Good answer. And uh, your favourite sport? Rock climbing. That one hands down, yeah. And I, well, I think I know the answer to this one then. And do you prefer to play or do you prefer to watch? Uh, play, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, final question for our, our quick fire rounds. One we always like to ask our space group. Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos? Oh, Elon Musk. I, uh, who chooses Jeff Bezos? <laughs> you would be surprised. You'd be surprised. Yeah, I guess he, you know, Elon Musk uh, for his for his technological exploits, but not so much his personal endeavors. Let's put it that way. <laughs> just, well, just let's just say that that, that that tends to be why we get an answer the uh, the, the in the you know in the opposite direction. It tends to be the sort of yeah. the cult of personality uh, that that's around him that people don't like, rather than the man himself. That's that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic well let's do it we're nearly at the end uh, of the podcast now and uh, we've just got one final question and i'm going to pass back over to annie for that great um so 
What one piece of advice would you give to someone entering the industry? I think it depends. If, if they've always wanted to work in the space industry, I think they're fairly set. I think they'll figure it out. But maybe for people that are entering the industry and, or maybe thinking about entering the industry but not sure if they can pull it off and so on, um, don't, don't hesitate. I think that the industry is very welcoming. Uh, it's got a lot of potential. It's growing very quickly. And the commercialization of space is, is opening up a lot more opportunities. A lot, it's much more dynamic than it used to be. People are not staying in the same job for 20, 30 years with one zone of expertise. And I think this is a great thing for, for anyone wanting to join. It kind of gives you a lot more career opportunities and a lot of flexibility. So yeah, mm. don't don't hesitate. Uh, take, a, take a leap into a new industry and see what it can offer you. Totally. And I think as well, like you said at the beginning, you didn't know um, instantly that, that spa- the space industry was for you, um, but have, have had so much success in it now and are really enjoying it that it's always good to to keep those options open and and to push yourself as well. Um, yeah, so that's great, brilliant. Thanks, Stuart. Thank well, look, Stuart, thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, and look, it's been great to hear all your thoughts and insights. So, let's do it. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.